Welcome to the Be Ruthless Show, where we have the conversations that other people don't, the conversations that other people won't. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and I'm ready to make a lot of noise and disrupt things ruthlessly. Thanks for being here today. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Be Ruthless Show. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and we are midway through November, essentially. Time is flying. It is officially cold in Northern Colorado. I am using my fireplace in the morning and at night, and it makes me happy. And I hope everyone is doing well. I want to talk today about something a little bit of a different perspective. I want to talk about when to transfer a client, when to say no to a client, when not to work with a client. I talk all the time to you as the audience, if you are looking for a counselor, coach, therapist about the fact that you should be interviewing us and finding who is the best fit for you. And I stand by that. That is 100% true, but I want to devote today's episode to talk about what we should do as therapists, counselors, coaches, and what we need to do to have the best practices to be true to ourselves, to provide the best quality of care to our clients. And I want to talk about a few situations when I have either said no to a client altogether or let go fired a client, so to speak, when I have fired a client. (laughs) So there are a few situations that I want to discuss as exceptions to the rule or something that's a little bit different and not what I'm exactly talking about. I have met with people who have needed a little bit more before they can work with me. Perhaps they need some type of rehab or some type of treatment for an eating disorder that requires more care than I can provide, and then I'm willing to work with them afterwards. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm I'm not talking about helping somebody follow the appropriate steps. I am talking about clients we don't want to work with, quite honestly, and why this is important. This is an extremely important conversation, and that's what the Be Ruthless show is all about. And in my career, approaching 25 years, I pro- I off the top of my head, I have not fired five clients. It is three to four. And I just recently is one. And so looking back on my entire career, there are many situations that required a lot of work that required a lot of working through on both ends, patience and explaining on my part and a lot of work with a client, say on respecting boundaries and understanding the dynamics of the relationship. I've had so many of those situations that we work through together and grow to a better place and have a more positive therapeutic relationship. Again, not what I'm talking about. I am talking about clients you don't want to work with, you don't feel safe working with, maybe aren't safe to be working with, whether you recognize or feel that or not. So I have had clients that were violent. I had scissors thrown at me. (laughs) I've had threats. 
I've had all sorts of accommodations. When I worked in practice, I had an alert button under my desk that I could press in case I felt unsafe or needed assistance immediately. Because in situations you have to recognize, even if in a big public office, in a big building, you're still in a room one-on-one with a person. And we don't often talk about our well-being or our safety. And I'm not talking here just about, I've certainly had verbal altercations with people yelling or threatening, but I've also been physically threatened. I have had people waiting outside my building. I have needed police called just because I didn't feel safe in a room alone with certain people. Those are the clients I'm talking about. And I'm not saying that there isn't someone else out there amazingly equipped to work with them. I'm talking about when we are in these situations. And if you're running a virtual practice now, the threats are different. And in this world, in this day and age, looking back on when I originally started practicing, I didn't have to think about things like I think about now with technology and Photoshopping and all the things that people can do. It's actually anti-bullying awareness week right now. And we can be bullied as professionals. We can be threatened as professionals. I have had Clients try to bribe me (laughs) to not have conversations with their doctors or their probation officers. So there's all sorts of safety issues that come into play. And I am so physical safety first and foremost, but there are also clients that are just unwell and think in a way that is dangerous to us. And so if you have a client come in and you are interviewing potential clients, right? We still also have a right. And you might have somebody who just rubs you the wrong way. And you are allowed to say no to that client or transfer them by all means. We should work with people that we really believe we can help. And if there is any sort of negative energy, do everyone a favor and make the transfer. But I'm talking about beyond that and more than that. And so if you have a client who has a lot of other cases about previous therapists or people they've worked with, with a list of complaints and all the things that have gone wrong, without recognizing anything that they have done, right? It's all that other counselor's horrible way of working with clients. It's it's all the other people. And there are clients who use words like abuse, unsafe, even saying they didn't they didn't honor my confidentiality. That to me is the biggest biggest foundation of a relationship with my clients and to have that violated or to have someone to threaten saying that that has been violated. These are people that I don't want to work with. And so I recently, and I'm going to pause and going back, looking back on my career, the clients that I did have a struggle with that did fall into some of these categories that I'm talking about today. I picked up on it earlier. I had a feeling, some sort of feeling. That's what I'm saying to you. If you, for whatever reason, feel like, oh, 
I don't know if this is the best match or do I want to take this on, honor that. Because not every one of those clients, but the ones that did create problems were of that category. And so if you can pick up on it and prevent it, again, there are other places, other people who can see them. We are not the only people in the world able to make a difference. And that's the danger in our field. When I first started out, I didn't want to say no to anyone. I worked all day, every day, and there was still a waiting list of people who wanted appointments. And if I kept it up at that pace, it's not just burnout. I was exhausted, but I also was taking anyone who needed help, not anyone who was the best fit for me. So I wasn't working with people who I enjoyed and and they could be better served working with somebody that had an expertise that was up their alley, right? I didn't know that back then. But these are all the things we have a right to say and to make a referral. I think so-and-so would be a much better fit. They're an expert in this field. And if you prefer a male or female, I have a handful of names for you, right? We are allowed to do that. But I am talking about clients who threaten clients who make allegations. There are there are a lot of people who train and teach that a male therapist counselor seeing a female alone can be a risk, right? But that's not the only risk. A male seeing a male and a female seeing a female can have just as many risks. And so recently I had a situation, I took a client because she was referred by someone who knew me, right? Not just somebody who found me on Google or found my website, you know, hey, Sam, so-and-so told me to give you a call. I, those are the clients I give priority to. My clients have always been my biggest source of business. And so if they send me someone, I want to fit that person in. And so right away, I knew I felt something like, oh, this might be a handful, so to speak. But again, it came from a client. So I attempted to do the work. And within a very few quick appointments, I knew, again, based on what I'm saying, allegations against other therapists and other doctors and other people in positions of authority, like state officials, law enforcement, a claim against everyone else. If you have a friend who talks about everyone to you, chances are they talk about you also, right? If they are talking about everyone in the world, then there's a chance they're talking about you too. This is the same thing. If you have someone making allegations against everyone in the world, there's a risk they'll make an allegation against you too. And we are the professionals. This is our care. We determine the boundaries. And if that gets interrupted by having to tiptoe about what words you use or, you know, of course, we never want to upset clients. We don't want to intentionally create stress. But I'm talking about the simplest things, clients who really give you the runaround about certain words and push back and don't accept responsibility. And I'm not talking about with you in their relationships that they're coming to you to talk about. 
right? And so these are the things you can see, these flags. And in this day and age and in this world, it is okay to say, you know what? This isn't going to work. And I need to exit and give some referrals and do it in the way that's best for me and for my practice. And I just want to encourage you to know that that's not just a suggestion. That's necessary. We cannot work with people who are not safe to work with. And we cannot do our work if we are being threatened, if we are being bribed or blackmailed. All of these things go on. And so anyone out there that has their own coaching type of business, if someone is giving you an, an off feeling, I just want you to listen to it because I, fortunately, nothing has happened. I am just recognizing that as I went through this in the past week, I want to share this experience because I talk about it all the time with other counselors and therapists. When I worked in a clinic and we had supervision every week, it comes up, it happens. And so I know someone listening has gone through it or will go through it. And I want you to know that you don't have to ask anyone for permission. You don't have to get a second opinion. If it's not good, it's not good. And the other thing I want to say, and I was trained so, so well, and everywhere I worked, I've, they've always complimented anyone I ever interacted with. If I had to write a report for a court or for a school, everyone has always said that my notes are extremely thorough. And that is true. Part of it is my personality. Part of it is being trained really well. And I want to pass that on and make sure you know that documenting and having records is not for you to go home and have endless homework and not not get to relax, right? We do paperwork and we keep records for our protection and for our clients' protection. I can tell you times that I've needed both. I have had documentation to verify a client's, you know, whatever they needed. It was in my notes and I could verify that to another person that needed to hear it. And there are times that I have needed to verify my perspective or what happened because there are people who... Even unintentionally, perception is unique. And we can have someone standing on a stage tell a story and 10 people might hear 10 different things. So there's the innocent taking it the wrong way. And then there's the taking it the wrong way, turning it the wrong way, misdirecting it the wrong way, all of the things. And if you are in this field, I want you to know that when I left the clinic and I started private practice, it crossed my mind like, oh my God, I never have to do paperwork again. I never, ever, ever have to have notes again, right? We do that for our bosses and for the insurance companies, but that's really not the truth. We do it for our clients and we do it for ourselves and our protection. And so I want to encourage you to take that five minutes in this day and age. Again, I'll say we can do an audio note, find a way you can give yourself an audio note, a two minute little summary for your records and you can type it later and you don't even have to type it. There are apps that translate talk to text. So whatever you need to do, I have always not only document, documented a summary of the appointment, but any phone call, 
any interaction, any conversation, because you are talking with people who have their own perspective and their own perception. And this is how you protect yourself. It is a clinical, so to speak, record for you to look back on. And again, I chose to fire a client because I'm not putting myself at risk. That's the bottom line. I don't know any other way to say it. I don't think it is safe for me to, even if I had a third party witness, right? Even if I said someone of your family has to be there. I don't trust things wouldn't get twisted or turned or misconstrued. And like I said earlier, I have worked through many of these situations. I've worked through clients not understanding boundaries. I've worked through clients misunderstanding something I've said. I've worked through having a tone or someone thinking I had a tone. I've worked through all of it. Really, truly, you name it, it's happened. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about not putting myself at risk with somebody who might go out and make a lawsuit or make a report. And again, we can no longer say it's opposite sex scenarios today in this world. If you are interacting with someone, it, it doesn't really matter their age or sex. If you are in a position of power, keep a record and, and you don't have to detail every single word of every appointment, but keep a brief synopsis. And if you are unfamiliar, if you have not been trained well on how to keep records, please feel free to reach out. Sam at SamanthaRuth.com. Again, shout out to my training and all of my experience I got at the sanctuary, which is now the Common Ground Sanctuary in Michigan. And I had the best supervisor who made this second nature. So when I left and went other places, people would say like, whoa, your notes are pretty thorough or long or, and, and supervisors would want to use them as an example. And I, again, am not writing a book of, he said this and this and this and this, it is a brief summary of stable mood, you know, theme of the appointment, what was discussed. If I had to question, how are you sleeping? Is your mood okay? I'm concerned basics, but it might not seem basic to you if you weren't taught well. And I'm do not be ashamed. We should be learning these things in schools and in internships. And if you're not, that isn't your fault. Please reach out. I'm happy to give you examples to share some of my old notes or create some. I would never break a client's confidentiality, but I'm happy to walk through this with anyone. So again, I just wanted to Talk about the professionals for a change. I always talk about my clients and their rights and interviewing us and all of those things, but we have these same rights and we need to work with the people who we are most qualified, right? I have a lot of areas of expertise, but there are people who are better equipped to handle certain things. And quite honestly, at this stage of my life, I enjoy working with some things more than others. There are things I worked with years ago that I don't want or need to anymore now that I'm established. So we're all entitled to have the, our practice designed a way that we see the clients we want to be seeing. And quite honestly, that's doing everyone a favor because the ones we 
don't want to be seeing makes it sound callous and and that's not exactly what it is but they deserve someone who prefers their area of expertise as well the things that i'm not passionate about someone else is and that is why there is someone for everyone so if you have a client that's making you feel off if you have a situation that's making you feel uncomfortable i'm happy to discuss that one of the changes as people are working from home and working online more is that there are less of these type of case conference and case supervision dialogues for some and i have always had my own supervisor to get that supervision from as well as having groups for others so we all have a place to talk about a client who is giving us a little bit of difficulty with this and we need a few ideas or perspectives about different ways to handle it that's so beneficial and so necessary so if you are on your own and that's something you don't have I encourage you to find it because we we really do benefit from bouncing those ideas off of each other and having those sounding boards and having someone point out to you, hey, this client sounds a little bit more at risk than you might see. We all can use that outside set of eyes. So again, I just wanted to change it up a little bit today, again, based on personal experience and what I go through and I think is relevant. If there is something you want to talk about or want to hear me talk about, let me know. This is for you. I want to hear your ideas. Sam at SamanthaRuth.com. And if you haven't yet joined Team Ruthless, you can connect with me live every week on Tuesday evenings. I have a support call, a group call, an Ask Sam call to talk about whatever is on your mind. And you can join with or without your camera. You can call in from your phone, whatever works for you. This is about getting your support your way. And so not only is that every week, it's also every holiday. So that is Thanksgiving next week for many of us. And lots of people are struggling. And so if you want a get together, a place to connect, a place to vent. That is one of the things that Team Ruthless does. I host a holiday get together because the holidays are hard enough and it's nice to have something to look forward to and people who get it. And again, next week, I will be heading to Michigan for Thanksgiving. So I am going through it myself, all of the emotions and I get it. I am approaching five years without Jim, and it is so strange. I was talking to a close friend who said, how long, when did we meet? What? And it's been four years, and it blew both of our minds. And again, it's someone that Jim never met, obviously. Um, and, and time is just so crazy. It still feels like just yesterday that I lost him, and yet it's almost five years. So all of these things coming up, if you need any type of support, please reach out and stay tuned next week, the 22nd, I am doing a live event from Michigan about grief hab because we all go through grief at some point in life more than once. And we also know people who experience it. So I have some big announcements and want to share it with you and also want to ask for your help so that people know where they can get support and how they can get support and they don't 
wait until months later and then say, man, I wish I had found you six months ago. So many people find me after the initial loss, after the initial crisis, and I can still help, but it would be nice to be there when they need it most. So thank you so much for being a part of the community. Please share this episode with anyone who you think can benefit and stay tuned for all the things coming up in the rest of November. And until next time, always be ruthless. Thanks so much for listening today. Your support means everything to me, truly. If this podcast resonates with you, please do me a favor and join in the Ruthless Movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster. Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hab community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.